Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, a Jewish believer in Jesus the Messiah, or as we call him in Hebrew, Yeshua HaMashiach. In other words, I am a Jewish person who has accepted Jesus as Messiah and Lord, just like so many of you. And I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Robert Walter. Shalom, Bobby. Shalom, Mitch, and hello, everyone. Thank you for uh, tuning in for this episode of The Chosen People. And we've really got a wonderful topic that we're going to be talking about today, where we are going to be exploring whether or not Jesus intended to create a new religion. You know, that it's such an intriguing question, Bobby. So many Jewish people think that Jesus started a new religion and that the Apostle Paul continued it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they see Jesus as totally departed from Judaism. But in fact, uh, Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, is the Jewish Messiah, didn't start anything new. He continued something old and brought in something new, which is exactly what Jeremiah 31 said he would do in bringing in the new covenant. That's right. If he was starting something new, he never would have done it this way. First of all, he didn't have a radio or TV program. That would have been a definite uh, important thing to try. Of course. He left no writings of his own. And look at the people he chose. I mean, who would choose? A fisherman, a zealot, a tax collector. I mean, what a cast of characters. And so Jesus wasn't intending to start something new. It was his purpose to fulfill something old. Well, let's jump right in, Mitch. So I have a question for you. Sure. Do you believe that Jesus came to start a new religion? (laughs) Well, absolutely not, Bobby. I mean, to cut to the chase, first of all, without Old Testament prophecy speaking of the coming Messiah, there would have been no Jesus faith because there would have been no Jewish people who had expectations. There would have been no Old Testament prophecies, and there would have been no Jesus Mm -hmm. because he was born into a Jewish family. And so everything about Jesus is Jewish um, on the fleshly side of things. Jesus himself kind of nailed it. In speaking in John chapter 4, there's a great passage um, where he was dealing with that very curious woman, woman the Samaritan woman, Mm -hmm. you know. So in verse 22, he says to her, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Mm. And uh, salvation has a Jewish origin or salvation has a Jewish character. Right. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, in Jeremiah chapter 31, God through the prophet promised a new covenant. And there were a couple of really interesting parts to that covenant. Uh, Number one, sins would be cleansed, Mm -hmm. and they would be brought far away. And number two, the spirit or the law would be written on the hearts of individuals. And so what we know as the heart of Christianity, uh, the heart of the gospel, the good news that Jesus died for our sins, rose from the grave, and when by faith we accept him as our Savior and Messiah, then our sins are forgiven, correct? And we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and we have a new and transformed life. Now, is that consistent with Old Testament expectation? If so, then Jesus didn't start anything new. He fulfilled something that was promised. 
And so clearly, Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises. He didn't start anything new. He didn't think he was starting anything new. He was basically just fulfilling those prophecies of the Messiah. Right. When we share the gospel with a Jewish person, we need to try and explain to a Jewish person that Jesus is the fulfillment of the hopes and dreams of the Jewish people as expressed through the Jewish prophets, mm -hmm. including Moses himself, and that Jesus didn't divert. Jesus fulfilled. There's a great book that came out a number of years ago that really nails it, Bobby. Mm -hmm. It was written by the great Edith Schaefer, married to Francis Schaefer, the apologist. And the name of the book says it all. I wish I, I wish I thought of this title. It was just fantastic. Christianity is Jewish. Yeah, wonderful book. Great book and, and great title. It says it all. And it was a very earth-shattering concept for a lot of Christians. You can be Jewish and believe in Jesus. Jesus didn't come to start anything new. He came to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah. And that's what he does even until this very day as men and women continue to believe in him, have their sins forgiven, and their lives transformed by the Spirit of God. That's right. Yeah, so well put, Mitch. And uh, honestly, in, in my experience, uh, living in Brooklyn and having the opportunities to engage with Jewish people, really a diverse uh, array of different kinds of Jewish people, uh, this issue comes up, this uh, almost accusation or, or argument that uh, Jesus that has nothing to do with the Jewish people, that uh, uh, that he came and he started a new religion and, and that's it. He's the God of the Gentiles. Uh, right. But what I often try to emphasize is exactly what you said. I'll even challenge uh, many of these Jewish people to consider what the New Testament actually says because, I mean, let's be honest, most Jewish people have never read the New Testament. Right. So most Jewish people don't even know what Jesus is all about or what's there. When, when we're talking to a Jewish person, we have to treat them as very intelligent individuals, yes. but we have to start out slow. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, and, but when we open up the pages of the New Testament, like you mentioned, we see just uh, Jesus coming as a, a consistent fulfillment of the promises and the hope of Israel. I mean, even right. at his birth in, in Luke chapter 1, I'm just going to read here for a second, right? Uh, so, John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit. He prophesied concerning uh, the soon coming of the Messiah. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Okay, he identifies him as the God of Israel. For he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. So he's talking about the Messiah coming as the fulfillment of Israel's hope. Absolutely. Bobby, I remember when I first read the New Testament, and I was raised in a traditional Jewish home, so I, I of course, knew that Jesus was not the Messiah. That's, in fact, I, was nev I never had a course on that in synagogue. We, everybody knew it. Right. But when I began reading the Gospels, he spoke like a rabbi. He told stories like a rabbi. He shared parables like a rabbi. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, he didn't celebrate Christmas or Easter. He celebrated Hanukkah and he celebrated Passover. Right, exactly. And by the time I was done with the four Gospels, I said to myself, how could anybody believe that Jesus was not Jewish? So did he start something brand new? Well, certainly he is the fulfillment as Hebrews would say in chapter 1, he's the last word on what God wants 
to tell us. And in the Gospel of John, it's the same truth as in Hebrews chapter 1. Jesus is the Word, and He's the final Word that God has for, for mankind. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Nothing came into being apart from Him. Nothing came into being and what has come into being. In other words, there's no doubt about it that He is the final Word on what God has to say. But He didn't change anything. He fulfilled the Old Testament truths, right. and that made a huge difference to me. Right. And it, and it's also important, I think, for us to point out the fact that he is not done with his ministry to Israel. Jesus is not done with his ministry to Israel. Uh, again, we see passages and statements in the New Testament that talk about uh, part of the gospel message, part of the, the kingdom plan of God includes the repentance of Israel that will be granted to them. Peter, Peter spoke up in Acts chapter 5, uh, speaking directly to the high priest. Uh, he describes Jesus. He says that he is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel right. and forgiveness of sins. Exactly. And, you know, some people wonder, uh, how did the Gentiles get into the act? You know, and, uh, and when I teach the book of Acts, I, I, I subtitle it, how did a Jewish movement get so Gentile and so big? Right. You know, right. and... And well, the first truth of all, is, I, I thank God that the Gentiles are in. I just kind of be clear about that. <laughs> uh, you wild branches have been grafted in. You need to behave yourself, yes. you know? So there's no doubt about it that the inclusion of the Gentiles is not at the expense of the exclusion of the Jews. Mm -hmm. And it was always God's purpose, even in the promise to Abraham, that through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Jesus is the Jewish Messiah for everybody. And Christianity, true Christianity, authentic Christianity, is a faith that is inclusive for both Jews and Gentiles. And the good news, when you become a believer in Jesus, you can stay a Gentile. Isn't that good news, Bobby? I, and, I thank God every day. <laughs> and when you become a believer in Jesus and you're Jewish, guess what? You can remain being Jewish. He transforms the heart. From humble beginnings in Brooklyn, New York, to serving in 18 countries across the globe, Chosen People Ministries exists to share the knowledge of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, with God's chosen people. Our outreach programs include evangelism and discipleship, messianic centers and congregations, and equipping local churches for Jewish evangelism. If you have a heart to reach the Jewish people in your community with the love of Messiah, connect with us today. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Welcome back to The Chosen People. And Mitch, we are about to hear the testimony of a dear brother, a dear friend of ours, Dr. Seth Postel. He's a Jewish man who, when you look throughout his life, he always struggled with some identity issues, some issues of self-worth and value in God's eyes. But in the end, he found his Jewish identity fulfilled in Jesus. Seth is a wonderful brother serving the Lord in Israel, and when you meet him, you'll know that you're meeting somebody who's been touched by the love of God. I grew up in New Jersey, very well aware of our Jewish identity. I do remember that whenever my dad was really, really angry, the worst thing he could ever say was Jesus Christ. 
my mom started to become more and more spiritual and she started to read the Bible. She started to read the Old Testament, what we called it, or the, the Hebrew Bible. She became more and more curious intellectually with Jesus. She came home with the very good news to tell my father, Murray, I've been searching the scriptures, I've been reading, I've been studying, and Jesus is the Messiah. My father started to cry. He said, I thought I married a Jew. How could you betray our people? How could you do this? Please tell me, why do you believe in Jesus? But please don't show me the New Testament because of course we knew Christians hate Jews. Christians believe in the New Testament. The New Testament must be anti-Semitic. As she read to him Isaiah 53, my father got very angry and he stopped her and he said, I told you Lorraine, I don't wanna hear the New Testament. And she stopped and she said, well, Murray, this is our side of the book. This is, this is not the New Testament. There was, this is a prophecy from 700 years before Jesus was born. Well, my father was in shock. Over the next several months, something very strange had happened in our family. So suddenly, up until that point, my mom and dad felt very insistent upon sending me to Hebrew school. They were very clear about our Jewish identity, and now suddenly they start to talk to me about, about Jesus, and it was very confusing to me. I didn't understand. I thought that my mom and dad had an identity crisis. Something def definitely was wrong with them. And I remember them bringing me to a service. My mom and dad decided to go back to the house. I was with uh, my mom's friend, Linda, in her car. It was a blue Mercedes, and we're driving home, and she says to me, so Seth, when are you going to accept Yeshua as your Messiah? I didn't know quite what to say, but I said, Linda, I said, give me a break. I'm young. I want to live a little. I want to experience life. I want to, I want to enjoy. And she looked at me. She said, Seth, did you know that Jesus could come back at any moment now? I said, okay. And now we're on the highway. We're driving. She said, he could come back at any moment. I said, okay, so what? She said, well, you know what would happen if he came back right now? I said, no. I would be taken up and I'd be with Jesus forever. And you would be in the passenger seat of my car going 55 miles per hour all alone without a driver and you would crash, die, and go to hell. <laughs> this is true. Jesus, don't come back. Jesus, don't come back. Jesus, don't come back. I was bleeding, don't come back. And so that was when my prayer life began. I had very, very serious childhood asthma. I was on heavy medications. One of the medications I was on was called prednisone. And prednisone was something that deeply affected my moods. It also affected my shape. I remember um, looking in the mirror and I was fat. My face was swollen up. It was red. I already believed in, in my heart of hearts that I was an ugly kid. I was the ugliest kid in my class. And so I grew up seeing myself as ugly. And then with the prednisone, I just remember uh, detesting myself. There's nothing worse in the world than to look at the mirror and see yourself as ugly. And again, it wasn't just an ugliness of my, my, my physical appearance. It was, it was the ugliness of my inability to overcome my own weaknesses, my inability to, to free myself from sin. I was convinced that God hated me too. And I started to see that I was ugly in God's eyes. And so I went through this never-ending cycle of praying. And so it was as if I would be born again, and then born again again, and then born again again again, 
and born again, again, again. And no matter what I did, no matter how I prayed, this dread sense of terror that I was a dirty, rotten sinner, ugly in God's eyes that God hated me, and that the first chance he was gonna send me to hell. And it really scared me, and I had no hope. Several years later, I found myself in this service. And the speaker, he, he was a pastor, and for whatever reason, he kept looking my way. And it was odd because <laughs> he didn't know me, and there were a couple hundred people there, and he kept looking at me, and it felt like he was exposing all the things I, I hoped nobody else would see around me, all the things I hated about myself, all the things I, I believed God hated about me. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm very uncomfortable. And at the end of the service, I just remember him just inviting people to stand up. I stood up, and I looked forward. And it's as if I saw Yeshua waiting for me. And his arms were stretched out. And up until that moment, his arms were always stretched out in anger. He, he wanted to strike me down. But this time, for the first time, his arms were open. And all he wanted to do was to hug me. All he wanted to do is embrace me. And it was as if I heard, I did this for you. These scars are for you. These wounds are for you. Of course I love you. Of course I accept you. I came for sinners. And I guess it was the first time that I recognized that Yeshua loves sinners. And I think for the first time in my life, I no longer saw myself as ugly. I no longer believed that lie that I was ugly in God's eyes. And for the first time, I actually truly felt loved from the inside out. And I knew that God loved me. The chains broke. I was new. I was free. Well, as I started to get more and more excited about the fact that I was a new creation, that it was something that God did supernaturally, I wanted to share. And one of the things that started happening is I shared with my family, wait a minute. You believe in Jesus and you're Jewish? This just can't be. And in fact, you're saying that Jesus is the Messiah based on the Old Testament. Who do you think you are? Do you know better than the rabbis? In fact, if you really could read Hebrew, you would know that you're misreading the text, that Jesus couldn't be the Messiah. You're trusting on a Christian translation. I remember thinking to myself, you know what? I have to know Biblical Hebrew, and I have to know it really, really well. After I finished my first PhD, I started another PhD in Hebrew Bible here in Israel. I can put all of my intellectual weight on the text itself. And the more that I studied the Hebrew Bible, the more I studied how the New Testament is reading the Old Testament, the more I realized that Jesus is the Messiah. This is true not just on a heart level, not just because I know that God has redeemed me from my sin, not just because I know that he's given me a new life and hope and that I know that I'm beautiful in his eyes, not because of me, but because of him. But there's the other side of it, and it's the head side of it, that, that God calls us as a people to search, to search the scriptures, to study, to see if in fact Jesus is the Messiah. And I'm convinced with all my heart, to the extent that I've studied all these years, that to understand Moses, to understand the prophets, to understand the writings is in fact to see Yeshua. 
the greatest Jew who ever lived, the savior of our people and the savior of the world. Wow, I always love hearing these testimonies uh, and Seth's story is so moving, so powerful and really just evidence that just reinforces what we've talked about today and how the gospel message is a continuous message. It's a continuation from the Jewish message all the way in to the New Testament. I really appreciate uh, Seth's testimony. Uh, I know that our listeners uh, loved it. So powerful and so passionate. And I remember Seth's parents very well as, uh, as well. They wonderful uh, believers. It reminds me of uh, my mom, who uh, really epitomizes what we were trying to clarify today in, uh, in this radio show. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom finally came with me to a Messianic worship service, mm-hmm. and I was the speaker. Wow. Then we were driving back home, and I asked my mother, so what would you think of it? She says, it was very nice. You speak very well. You should have been a lawyer. So that's a good <laughs> Jewish mother's response. I said, but what did you think of the message? What, what did you think of the whole thing? She said, well, um, w- were these people baptized? I said, well, mom, you know, baptism comes from immersion, the Jewish mikvah, and it was very Jewish. And she says, just answer the question. I said, yes, they were baptized. <laughs> you know, my mother was raised in Brooklyn like me. Mm-hmm. And then finally, my, I said to my mother, said, so, so what's the big deal? What do you think? She says, well, if they were baptized, uh, then they were all converted. And so they were no longer Jews. Mm. I said, Ma, but Jesus was Jewish. She said, no, he wasn't. Jesus converted to Christianity. Wow. My mom was a very bright woman and eventually came to faith before she passed away. Oh, praise God. But it's a common Jewish objection to think that Jesus started something brand new that was not Jewish. And you know what, Bobby? That's simply not true. He is the Jewish Messiah, the Savior of the world. And when we put our trust in him, we find the gift of eternal life. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. We want to thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about this weekly program, then let me encourage you to stop by our website and explore. We have a variety of resources available to help you discover the Jewish roots of your Christian faith. And we even have a free gift for you. That's right, Bobby. You can ask for Randall Price's compilation book, with a chapter from me on Jerusalem, so you can uh, learn a little bit more about Jerusalem. What should we think about Israel? And you can get this book by going to chosenpeople.com slash radio. We'll send it to you absolutely free. It's our way of saying thank you for being with us today. And if you'd like to partner with us this year, we'd love to hear from you. There's a variety of ways you can get plugged in. We have short and long-term ministries, our Foundations 22 program, which is designed to prioritize the essentials, personal evangelism, personal discipleship, and the training that all of us need to go deeper and further in serving the Lord. And uh, we have been serving the Lord with Chosen People Ministries. Our ministry has been uh, serving the Messiah among the Jewish people for 128 years. And if you think I'm the founder, that's not correct. But I am enjoying my 26th years leading Chosen People Ministries, and I know that you'll appreciate the heritage we have and all that God is doing through us at this time. So pray for us. Your prayers are so powerful. Let us know you're listening and let us know you're praying. Visit chosenpeople.com slash radio. Click the Contact Us link on our homepage, and you'll be able to get to us. You can also call us and let us know that you're listening. The number to dial is 888 
293-7482. And be sure to ask for your free copy of What Should We Think About Israel? And now let's wrap up today's program with the Aaronic Benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.